Can you hear this at all? I can hear it. Oh, it's coming through. Oh, it's coming through? Yep, and you're coming through. It's all clear. Oh, good. So (laughs) that means we get to do it. So here we go. Pastor Michael, yay, nay, or nuance. We have 20 of these. I don't think we're going to get through them. 20 of them. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot. But here's the good news, everybody. We are going to record a Patreon segment the next time we record those where we finish these. So if yours did not get answered, I promise you it will in a Patreon episode. So here we go. Pastor Michael, let's start with... These are going to come in hot, by the way. Some of oh these boy. are... Good. Oh, boy. And... And all the 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 requests for grace we've just made on tone for the last <laughs> time, all of them are about to be shattered. So here's number one, Pastor Michael, as a pastor in the state of Wisconsin, professional football is a fourth commandment violation. Oh, uh, most of the time, yes. <laughs> most of the time, yes, it is. <laughs> Why is it? help help a help a help a poor Packer fan tuning in for the first? I know. Time. I know. So I'm actually preaching on the fourth commandment for the second uh week this coming sunday so maybe you could just tune into the sermon um where you know i really won't go hard after professional sports but i do think that ideally uh we as along with all of our neighbors would be having a day on the lord's day that's set aside that everybody if they were able could go and worship except for in cases of you know works of necessity that may keep you providentially but anyway so I, I mean, I have to say, I have to say yes. So you're saying if there was like an RTS president who's been an NFL football coach, <laughs> that would be the greatest look for. Uh, oh boy, um, yeah, I suppose it's probably not uh, ideal. Uh, but the nice thing is that you can always uh, grow and change. And you know, I don't think that the Sabbath command is one that we should use. By the way, um, like a, almost like uh, some the spirit. We shouldn't use the the Sabbath command in the spirit of Judaizers because the command is all about rest and and it's all about um, the, the the rest that God provides, the freedom that He provides. That has to be understood in light of what He does. But I am worried sometimes that guys can take it and make it a kind of a burden on people in such a way that it crushes them rather than actually helps them to see the beauty and the goodness of it. So, so in that way, I would say, I want to be careful about how I explain it. I'll be careful in my tone on this one, uh, but yes, it is ultimately a, a violation of the Sabbath. Here's how I know it's a violation of the Sabbath, by the way. I have this coaster I got here in Wisconsin, and it says Sundays are for football. <laughs> there is nothing. It, it literally just said this is what the day is for. <laughs> it's, it is, right. Um, and there's debates about exactly what uh, the recreation command uh, understanding in the Westminster Confession is forbidding. And if it ain't forbidding professional sports and all of the industry that goes around it that thing isn't forbidding anything so it probably is forbidding that all right here comes number two pastor michael get ready sorry this is these some of these are going to be tough tough pills (laughs) tgc will not exist in let's go with 10 years we were giving up five or 10 years i'm going to give you 10 years i think tgc will exist in 10 years it may look a little bit different but i do believe it will exist it's you have to realize Something with so much money behind it, if I'm honest. I mean, just the, right. the amount of money 
behind TGC. And I don't just mean like, wow, they're they're all so rich, but the money, the the people involved in it in various ways, that takes so long to actually just die. Right? Look at this. I'm not making this comparison as a one-to-one, but think about you know some of the mainline denominations that people have said forever that they're man how could they how could they possibly last when they're hemorrhaging so many members and they're they're just not doing things in such a way that actually is seeing any growth and yet they're still around i mean they they can hold on forever and so even if you think that tgc is in that camp which i don't by the way i don't think it's in the same camp as a mainline church um institutions have an incredible ability to just hang on to just cling on so 10 years for sure yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree, Nay, it probably will exist. You already don't know 90% of the people writing for them and talking for them like you knew their founders. And there is just so many people with jobs and money and careers to keep that thing going and raise money, even if it is some of the BlackRock Soros money. But moving on from that to a question about a writer of a book of the Bible, Pastor Michael. Yay, nay, or nuance. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Yeah, so I I tend to say yes, yay on this one uh, because I don't know, I don't know, but I say yay um, just because of some of the the thoughts of the early church because of the content of the book. Um, although um, I have heard, for instance, you know maybe this was you know uh, it, it is more of a sermon. And Paul does say that he doesn't come with any kind of, you know, uh, brilliance necessarily or, or outward outward um, excellence when he came to the Corinthians. And so that makes me think maybe not. But uh, but I tend to think I tend to think, yes, I will accidentally say at times that Paul wrote Hebrews. I just I just assume that was the case because there was some early testimony in that regard. Maybe Paul, uh, you know, it was from Paul, but it was, you know, written uh, the rhetoric of it was maybe uh, a little bit of a flourish put on by luke i don't know i think something like what you just described in the last setting is probably the most likely i don't think the actual writing can be from paul himself because of in hebrews 2 where the person talks about we heard from them the person seems to place themselves outside of the direct influence of christ and the apostles now maybe now, maybe we would say this is Paul talking about himself being untimely born, but I do think it, it would make a lot of sense if someone is taking Pauline sermons or something like this, like his companion Luke, um, who in his gospel, like the book of Hebrews, uses some of the most technical Greek in the New Testament. So, an interesting idea. Pastor Michael, now this next one is coming right at the ESV. This is a translation question. Pastor Michael, are you you a um, a noted Greek scholar, good with uh, translation issues. If I need a in the weeds here, man, I'm not, but I know Matt is, and he can help me out if I fall short. So. All right, yay, nay, or nuance. Malakoi in First Corinthians six nine would be better translated as the effeminate or effeminate men. Pastor Michael, I'm going to open up that verse while you get ready to answer. So people yes. can. Um, so, wow. Uh, I'm going to, the worst part about this is I really, I don't, I don't want to pick nuance because then I'm going to be called Malakoi. <laughs> 
this is people are gonna start calling me a feminist um, if I pick nuance. But I have to. I think I have to say nuance, and here's why: uh, because on a on a technical level, I do think it's probably best, in my understanding, to translate this along with arsenicoitoi as talking about the two different places, basically within uh, within a a kind of homosexual relationship. Uh, however, I do think that those who want to translate it something like a feminine are getting at a good point. That <laughs> I love that you're just laughing. <laughs> I, they're getting at a good point that this like this speaks to more than just for instance the physical act involved in this particular sin and um sometimes the the emphasis being put on this physical act takes that sin and people say well therefore it's only talking about that there's no broader implications for how somebody lives outside of that. So, for instance, you could say, along with side B, gay Christianity, the revoice crowd, hey, as long as I don't physically act on this, this doesn't say anything about how I'm living, what I'm doing. Um, and that actually isn't true. So in that sense, I do think that it, it speaks to the sin of effeminacy. I just don't know if that's actually the best way to translate it. Um, okay, so I, yeah, I guess I will, I'll share my thoughts. Um, um, I, of course, will not be choosing nuance um, because <laughs> I, you're not going to catch me doing that. So let me read it in the ESV, um, which, uh, and then I will read it in the KJV. Um, so oh, here's the ESV. Or do you not know that the unright will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. The list goes on, by the way. Um, and we just don't have time to get to the end of it. And the good news is, is and such were some of you, by the way, but you were justified. You were washed. You were sanctified. So there's a lot of good news coming at the end of this. Um, but here's the KJV. Uh, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Oh, sorry. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Um, now, I I don't want to open the Greek right now um, because there is one way the Greek could be constructed that may make me a little more sympathetic. But I am going to go with a uh, with a nay. I am going to go with the ESV translators to that men who practice homosexuality is probably uh, the better way to, to translate this, that it is talking about the active and passive partner in this. Now, perhaps if there is, if the Greek construction is constructed in a way that these are very separate. Um, now, I don't think I'm a better Greek scholar than the, uh, than the ESV translator. So that's why I'm not going to look it up. Um, I, but I will say this. Uh, in the past three years, I've never heard more people accused of being effeminate than any time in my life it's, ever. It's ever. true. Uh, so, by the so even if so, it has become the maybe, maybe the uh, most prominent sin, evidently. <laughs> so, if if you're if you're big on this one, maybe just cool it slightly with calling everyone you don't like effeminate. Because, <laughs> 
maybe what if you aren't understanding that Greek word right? Um, uh, I again, I do think that even though the ESV doesn't have some of the connotations, it is talking about practice. It does emphasize that there is a ongoing lifestyle. It is not just a, a simple act, which I do think what you're saying is. And again, can we get to the need to live out life as a man or as a woman as God created? Yes, we can, of course. And we don't need this word to do it. Right. Yeah, there's that, other ways to do it. Yeah. So anyways, all right, Pastor Michael, we had this one from two different sources. So here we go. Pastor Michael, yene or nuance, women wearing head coverings during the worship service. Every um, four you just coming at you tonight. If if a woman is not contentious and uh, is not doing it in such a way to look down on and judge women who are not or, you know, bringing a divisive point into the church, a schism into the church because of it, it can be a perfectly fine, beautiful practice. You know, you're you're more than welcome to do that um, in a way that's not, you know, drawing attention to yourself or something like that. Um, does the Bible require this of women? No, no, it does not. I do not believe it does. Pastor Michael, I just want you to know I have heard people who make that case that you just made called effeminate. I know. Oh. I was just going to say, I bet I'll get called effeminate for that one. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty bad. So um, here is uh, here is the thing when it comes to reading the book of 1 Corinthians, a book I love so much that is seemingly everyone under the sun who has a unique idea brings me first Corinthians. Yep. And so again, the head coverings people, Oh, it's so clear. It couldn't be more clear. They aren't this. Some of them are, but the people who are calling, who are going to call pastor Michael feminine for that take are also not tongue speakers. Do not have prophets uh, regularly prophesying in their service. And so what we need to do when we come to the book of first Corinthians is we have to learn that Paul takes enduring principles, applies them, and he applies them to a specific circumstance. And you have to be able to work through all of 1 Corinthians doing that consistency consistently to understand what things are Paul's consistent uh, principles and what are things for um, like dealing with a circumstance they were in. For example, here would be one that would have general agreement. We just read the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is an enduring theological truth that Paul then applies in specific ways to the Corinthians. When Paul says, don't get married in light of the present distress, almost no one takes that as don't ever get married. Paul has just put an injunction against marriage. Although, I mean, there's a lot of people today that want to use that to back up the idea of of singleness as the ideal. But I I know because every bad idea, someone can find something in first. (laughs) It's so true. I've never heard you say that, but that's such a good point. (laughs) It's so true. Because Paul is writing the most messed up and confused church in the New Testament. And And I love it's so good that, yes, it's in the midst of that that people find this is where (laughs) this is where I find the doctrine that I really need to make a big deal of. Yes. And so I think there is 
a ton of I, I love the study of first Corinthians and I think walking through with people who have this question you can you can really sit down and you can think through how do we understand what Paul's applying how do we understand what are circumstances how do these things come together and how do we apply them today um, and so anyways uh, someone in the patreon chat shared this amazing meme where it says uh, it's a Lord of the Rings meme and it says uh, head coverings and Paul says you need to wear them because of the angels and then it's a picture of Frodo from Lord of the Rings and it says okay you go ahead and keep your secrets uh, <laughs> that's so good alright All right, we don't have a ton of more time so we better keep going Pastor Michael yay nay or nuance pastors sitting on a stool while preaching sitting on a stool while preaching they're welcome to do it I, I have no problem with it I, so I guess I'm a yay I wouldn't wow. do it but I, it doesn't it wouldn't bug me if it happened Let's put it this way. I would prefer a man just sit on a stool behind a pulpit. Oh, so I guess this is what I, I'm just realizing while I'm saying this, that I'm imagining like a, an old school, more like rabbinic tradition of sitting in a seat that clearly marks authority. And like, you know, I, I imagine somebody sitting at the pulpit. But what I'm realizing is that you're actually talking about like the, the, the yeah, big the Eva. It's just yes. me and a stool. And now I have to say no. <laughs> I, was, I was about to lose my mind. What? I was about to <laughs> I didn't even, this is, I'm just so sheltered, I guess, um, that I forgot that that was a normal thing that guys do. Um, I don't like it. I don't like any of the minimalist. It's just me and my stool and maybe a little bit of, you know, something I can set, set my Bible on maybe, but generally it's just, it's casual. It's laid back. You know, it's, it's, it's just me up here, guys. We're just hanging out. I don't like any of that. Yep. Here's how you answer that question. What is the furniture trying to communicate? That is the question. And that is why uh, the Jesus can say he sat down to teach yes. because there was a way that an authoritative teacher sat down in almost every setting when a teacher in our in Western culture um, teaches authoritatively or someone gives an authoritative speech in the culture or political world, they stand up. Stand. Um, and so again, it's, it's the, it's again, it's just the question. What is that, um, um, furniture trying to communicate? All right. I wrote, by the way, I wrote a blog series, um, through the furnishings of our church. One time you can find it at ccc-pca.org where I talk about this. I'm talking about the pulpit and what it represents. All right, so we are going to try and get through three more, and that will save us five for our Patreon episode. All right, here we go, Pastor Michael. Men having long hair. Um, it looks bad, guys. Just get a haircut. It doesn't look good. If somebody from behind can't tell, you got you got to cut your hair. You got to do it. Uh, you know, it can be longer than my hair. <laughs> I don't, yeah. my hair doesn't have to be the standard, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, hard, hard nay on long hair on men. Hard nay. 
dear uh, dear listeners, if you're if you're mad, you can send those tweets right to Pastor Michael. I used to have very I used to have embarrassingly long hair. Is all I will say about this answer. All right, Pastor Michael, because we are trying to fly through these. It's a shame on a man, right? I'm just gonna say it. I'm, let's go back to First Corinthians, everyone. Uh, a- <laughs> so, Pastor Michael. Are Christians, sorry, I need to state this in a statement because that's how we do yay, nay, or nuance. Christians are allowed to swear, right? And this is, of course, using, we are talking about a expletive form of using particular words, uh, cussing. Yes. Uh, Man, I I just think about how people hear this. Yes, I think yes. Um, given the proper context, uh, just like any words, given the proper context, they can be used uh, by by Christians, uh, right? So strong language that we would consider swearing is used multiple times in Scripture, right? Throughout Scripture in different places, very strong words, um, uh, words that we would consider a kind of swearing if somebody used a, a similar word today. However, what I will add to that is that that is very seldom okay it is very seldom so um does a christian have the freedom to use various words yes um does that mean that a christian should be known as somebody who is you know using this language all the time absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not I'm not, it's not a nuance. I said yes, but I do think that proper context is important that even the strong language of scripture is used very seldom. No, I, I, I am a yay with you um, that, but the command, because the command is that all language and all words be fitting, right, for their context and properly and, ordered, right? They should be properly ordered. Yes. And that, um, that there are times where incredibly strong language, intense circumstances may require something like that. Now, I was thinking about that there is potentially some language that is just so loaded that is so either degrading or is causes such a reaction. There may be, at this point, no way of actually using it. And yeah, that, I think that could be true. And so in that way, I might be a nay if, if that is what we would mean by swearing. But if we're just using the kinds of words... Uh, your grandpa might have said when he hit himself with a hammer or like, you know, like this, what we might call the sailor language or whatnot, right? Some of the forms of this, then I would be a yay. Uh, if, if we're talking about certain other things, then I probably would be a nay. Now, again, even those, uh, if you are, uh, could you quote those things, right? And do it in a helpful uh, teaching way, potentially. But here we go. Pastor Michael, here's our last one and it is bringing it full circle kdy inspired kdy come on and here we go rather than seeking god's specific will in for my decisions i should just do something yay hard hard yay just do it guys come on just do it. Get get some Nike stuff and just do it. Pastor Michael, why are you a hard yay on this idea? Uh, I think that even though Kevin DeYoung already wrote the book and we should know better by now, we're so influenced by this idea of finding just the right thing or, or reading God's providence to know exactly what we should do. 
when actually what God has provided for us is the the you know uh, particular place and time we've been born into. He's given us the family we've been given, the gifts that we've been given, and the wisdom that He teaches us in Scripture. The guidance of those who are older and wiser than us to to look into our lives and help speak into them. And from that, you can just do something. You can just make decisions and do something. Um, and you don't you don't have to wait on some kind of mystical experience or feeling to guide you. And I actually think that for most people, if you actually took that and actually lived that way, you would find it is incredibly freeing, right? It, love God and do whatever you want, right? Just, just go do something in a way that you know would please your father in heaven and then just do it with all the joy that you can muster. That would make you so much more, so much more happy. I, I, I can almost guarantee that most people listening could benefit from it. I know I certainly could. And this was such a great reminder for me that because even now, as I've probably gotten beyond a lot of the, the kind of God's will seeking, and frankly, superstitious things people do, I still know even recently, there have been many times where I've attempted to read Providence, where I see circumstances and go, I know what God must be doing. And that um, that is typically not freeing. That is typically something that traps you. And in light of the great advice found in this short book by Kevin DeYoung, which shout out to this particular book, when I got married, I gave it to every man involved in my wedding as a groomsman, usher, musician, or whatever, uh, because I thought it was so good at the time especially for um folks in it their- is a great book by the way definitely we are, gonna, we are gonna give it away to the next five people that become paying members of the restless patreon so if you want to join the patreon and listen to a ton of more content you can basically do so now and get a free great book that basically you've paid for yourself and the book is worth the price of admission Pastor Michael, this has been the 250K YRR Crossroads Gay Nair Nuance Palooza. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Matt, this has been a blast. Hey, everybody listening, we seriously, we love you guys. Um, This has been uh, just a blast to be able to do this and have these conversations and enjoy it with you. And shout out to all the patrons who we get to interact with on a daily basis. Um, It really is. It really is a blessing for us. And so um, thank you for that. Really, thank you. And we hope that whatever we do, in whatever tone we do it, um, it will ultimately lead to the glory of God, the expansion of his kingdom. Amen. I do want to give a special thank you to our patrons. It is insane to think that we have 45 people uh, who have joined the Patreon uh, in the last year. And so we, it is, it is enjoyable to talk to you all uh, as we do very often. And so... We hope you will consider joining them if you would like to support this show. And if you would like to hear upcoming gain air nuances on patriarchy, tobacco, the presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper, Van Till, baptism saves, and how we should think about Lutherans. Pastor Michael, those are gonna be uh those are gonna be a barrel of monkey. So until next time, this has been the Restless Podcast, and we hope you will enjoy your night in Geneva. Go listen to some psalms and chant them with the boys.